just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I got to tell you, yesterday kind of sucked for me, but uh, it wasn't surprising. It wasn't something I hadn't gone through before. In fact, if you live in Minnesota or somewhere in the upper Midwest in January when the temperatures are sub-zero, you probably went through the same thing at one point or another, probably multiple times. My wife uh, had to get up early today. I didn't. Uh, She gets up, gets ready, goes out to the car. She comes back in, wakes me up, and says, my car won't start. Well, that's annoying, and uh, it's not surprising. It was minus 14 below, and the battery in her car was getting a little weak. Not too bad, but enough to go dead in sub-zero temperatures. Now, fortunately, I wasn't going anywhere that day. At least now I wasn't, because I said, well, honey, just take my car. I'll get your car figured out and get it fixed, and we'll be fine. So she gets in the car, takes off. Everything's cool. She gets to where she needs to be on time, and that's the important thing. So I need to buy a battery. Now, when you're buying a battery for a car, understand I have a couple of SUVs. They're the same identical car. They're fairly common. So it's nothing unusual, nothing highly expensive, and I need a battery. Now, my past experience in buying batteries is pull up to an auto parts store or go into a Valvoline rapid oil change or go to your local mechanic and say, put a fucking battery in, it takes 15 minutes and it's done. Yeah, that wasn't the case with this situation. First of all, I thought maybe. Just maybe I could go out and after it sat a while and it's warmed up now that it would start for me. Of course it didn't fucking start. It just clicked. So I knew it was the battery. So now what I got to do is I've got to talk, call roadside help, you know, from my insurance. So I call them up and they said, sure, we'll come out. We'll let you know in text how long it's going to be before we're there. So in a few minutes, I get a text that says, oh, we'll be there in about an hour and a half. What the fuck? So now I have to decide where I'm going to get this changed. I figure the local mechanic, because he's probably two miles away, I call him up and I say, this is what I need. I need a new battery. Can you get me in real quick and just put it in and I'll be gone? And he says, sure. He said, what kind of car? I told him. And he's starting to look for the battery. And he says, I don't have the battery, and it doesn't look like anybody near here has the battery. I said, how is that fucking possible? It's a pretty normal, common car. He says, yeah, but you got the sport model. I go, so the fuck what? Well, they got a special battery. They got a special battery. Now, I'm used to paying maybe 100 bucks to have a battery installed. I said, I'm guessing these special batteries are more expensive, too. He said, oh, yeah, they're about two two fifty. I go, fucking A. He said, but that doesn't matter because I can't find any. <laughs> so I decided I would call Valvoline Rapid Oil. 
only because I've had some other stuff done there, oil changes and such, and they're the ones that told me the battery was a little weaker earlier in the summer. So I called them up, and I got the centrally located person in Kentucky or something, and I said, I need a battery. Does this place I want to go to have the battery? And she said, no, it doesn't, but uh, I'll check the other ones in your area and see if anybody else has them. I said, cool. So she, she said, I found one. I said, really? And uh, it's in a town probably 12, 13 miles away from here. Not too bad. But I'm wondering, first of all, i got to get the goddamn thing started. And then I have to worry about, can I keep it running between here and 13 miles away? So I wasn't sure what's happening. So I'm waiting for this roadside service to come up in an hour and a half. We get to an hour and a half. We get to an hour 45. Then I get another text. says, oh, your guy's late. He's not going to be there for another 43 minutes. I'm going, fuck, now what do I do? All I can do is wait. I got a car that doesn't run. I can't go anywhere. So I'm waiting 43 minutes. And then it becomes 50 minutes. Then it becomes 60 minutes. And I call him and go, look, man. Are you coming or are you not? Because at that point, I, I have one of those boxes, you know, where you charge it up in the wall and then you can hook it to your car and jumpstart your car. Of course, my son has it, not me, and he's at work and he doesn't get off till 6, so I can't use that. But I was at that point where saying, fuck it, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get the box from my kid and I'll just do it myself. Fortunately, the guy was just a short distance away. Now, whenever I've had my car jump by a road service agent it's always a big tow truck and they got these huge fucking cords and they hook it up and they get it started not this guy he finally does show up he pulls up in a acura a nice acura (laughs) and he gets out of the car and go how the fuck you gonna jump my car with that he gets out of the car and he's got in his hand something a little bigger than, uh, you know, an extra battery for a cell phone, one of those blocks. That's all it is. It's a big battery block and two little clips on the end. I go, that's not going to fucking work. So he says, no, no, I had to work. He popped the hood, hooked him up, started right off. <laughs> I need to get one of those blocks and start going to all these places that nobody else can get to in under three hours. I can make a few bucks doing that. Anyway, so I get it started. I drive all the way down, no problems. And I'm expecting problems. It's been one of those days. You know, I'm sitting here, and the car won't start, and then my internet goes out, and I'm going, fuck, it's one of those goddamn days. And so I get down there. I have to wait in line a little bit, worried that my car is going to die. It never does, thankfully. So I had somebody looking out for me there. And I get in, and it was absolutely no problem. The only thing I can bitch about is that this battery cost me 200 when normally buying batteries for cars, it's about 100 bucks, maybe 120 But for 200 bucks to get this all figured out, I was happy as hell. Got it back, got it set up, but here's the problem. I spent all day dicking around with this, and I got nothing else done. So that was my day. And uh, it reminded me when I was a young, younger man in the 70s, and cars were a much different situation. You older folks will know what I'm talking about. Uh, younger folks won't get it at all. This is when cars had, had uh, carburetors. And and they famously 
didn't start in the winter. You know, back in the 70s, you bought a car and it had 100,000 miles on it. That fucker was done. You couldn't take it any farther. Getting 150, 200,000 miles was not even thinkable in 70s vintage cars. But anyway, you'd be a kid and your car wouldn't start. It'd be freezing fucking cold. And the only way you could get it started, I mean, it had plenty of power. It was turning over. It just wouldn't kick off because the gas was frozen or whatever the fuck it was. So what you would do is you'd pop the hood, you'd take off the air cleaner, which was a pain in the ass when it's 20 below, and then you'd get this ether or this starting fluid and you'd spray it in the carburetor. Now, if you're like me, when you were young, you thought, well, if I spray that much in the carburetor, there's a good chance it'll start. So it makes sense that if I pour a bunch of this shit in there, it'll pop right off. Yeah, I had to do this a a few two, three times before I figured it out. So I'd put a bunch of ether or starting fluid into the carburetor, start that bitch up, and it started. It was beautiful. (laughs) But then when you walked outside the car, there's flames coming out of the carburetor, which I immediately thought, that's not good. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So then you have to try to put it out and still keep the car running. So my days in the 70s were probably a lot harder than what I'm dealing with now uh, because the cars are better and I've got more access to the Internet and that sort of thing. But it was one of those fucking days. I haven't had one of those days in a long time, but I'd rather have them with me than if my kids were stranded someplace. This was just out in front of my condo, so I didn't really have to go anywhere. I could sit inside, but that's my biggest fear. One of my family members being stuck out in the cold someplace and not being able to get anywhere away from it or get any kind of shelter. So that's that's what I was doing pretty much today, and it was, uh, well, it was fucking annoying. Anyway, and by the way, it's warming up. It's going to be in the 20s, uh, high 20s, which may sound cold to you in this part of the country. It's goddamn tropical. We're happy to have 20, 25, 30 degrees. Now, I always talk about how I want you to interact with me. You can send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at anchor.fm. Look for the Rational Boomer podcast and uh, just leave a voicemail. As luck would have it, I got a couple of emails and I got a voicemail. So let's take a listen and read uh, what these folks are thinking and uh, we'll head on further into the show. The first voicemail comes from a gentleman by the name of Ty. Hi, Mike. This is Ty calling you from uh, the Houston, Texas area, um, specifically the Woodlands, Texas. And I was calling to say, I love what you're doing. I first found you on TikTok, thought you were hilarious, loved your take on this bullshit that's going on in America. So uh, I found you on a podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen there as well. Um, but I was uh, calling to share my take on what's going on with Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema. Even though they're both Democrats, I believe that these two pieces of shits are actually going to become Republican pieces, pieces of shit. Okay, so when they get ready to flip in 2024, don't be surprised um, because it's coming. You see how much bidding they're doing for the Republicans. They're just laying the the bricks down. So we see where this is going. Thanks, Mike. All right, Ty. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the question. And I'll try to address it. Now, as Tyler said, he thinks that Senators Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin Uh, He believes that they're going to flip to the Republican Party come 2024. And uh, I understand your point. 
And with all due respect, I disagree. I don't think that's going to happen, and I'll explain why. First of all, Kirsten Cinema is up for re-election as a senator in 2024. I'm not sure about Manchin. Uh, first of all, Manchin has got a lock in West Virginia. He is a Democrat, but he's a moderate, as they say, or conservative Democrat. And he gets voted in by 40 points, 40 percent. There's no way he's going to change anything. He's going to keep everything the same, and he's not going to change anything. There is no advantage of him going to the Republican Party. Frankly, as conservative as he is compared to other Democrats, he's way too liberal for the Republicans. And while West Virginia is a uh, Republican state, a red state, uh, I can't see Manchin changing things up. If he's winning elections by 40%, he's not going to change anything. If he does anything, he could go independent. Now, I hear a lot of people saying, yeah, Manchin should just go Republican. No, you don't want that. Because No matter who else gets voted in in West Virginia, they are going to be Republican. So that's one more Republican in the Senate, which is the last thing we need. Now, he is a dick. He's an arrogant, egotistical piece of shit. But he's better off than what we could have. We could get some fucking crazy Trump-humping piece of shit out of West Virginia who is a Republican in that seat. So he is a lesser of two evils. Now, a Christian cinema. Christian cinema is a different situation. Now, I think both of these characters, cinema and mansion, aren't doing this because they secretly want to be Republicans. That's not why they're doing it. It's about fucking ego, and it's about power, and it's about the future. You know, whenever you have a split Senate like this, there's always one or two senators that realize, hey, we've got some power. We can get some name recognition, so we're going to stir some shit up. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to get their name out there. They're trying to get exposure for being the tough guy or the smart girl or whatever it is they want to do. It has nothing to do with them wanting to be Republicans. They have nothing to gain by becoming Republicans. Now, Manchin's pretty well set in West Virginia at this point. He's not going to change anything. Christian Cinema's a different deal. She's not going to go Republican. That's just not going to happen because uh, the Republicans definitely don't want her. She was far more liberal at one point than Joe Manchin has ever been. And... Uh, If she goes Republican, she probably won't get elected. She's probably not going to get elected anywhere. Anyway, because she's burned too many bridges with the Democrats in Arizona, and the Republicans don't want to fucking touch her. If they're going to put a Republican in that seat, they're going to put somebody who's reasonable, knowledgeable, and legitimate. And she's none of those things. So they aren't going to want her as a Republican representative. And really, the problem with her in Arizona is that nobody likes her. The Republicans don't really want her, and the Democrats now don't want her. The Democrats in Arizona censured her, which is kind of a slap on the wrist, but it is a black mark on your permanent record, so uh, she's got a problem. I heard something like 8% of the Democrats would vote for her again. She's not going to get reelected in Arizona. And I kind of think she understands that. You see, we talked about ego, 
and the reason why people do these things. It's about ego and furthering their agenda and making them more powerful. See, the rumor is that she wanted to run for president. Yeah, she was in the uh, the local Rep- uh, De- Democratic Senate in Arizona. Then she became a senator. Now she thinks she's on fire. So she's going to run for president in 2024. She has no fucking chance. I mean, if Joe Biden was in a wheelchair and couldn't talk straight, he would still beat her in a primary. Kamala Harris would beat her in a primary. She can't run as a Democrat. They certainly don't want her running as a Republican because she's damaged goods. She's not even a Republican. So even if she wanted to go to the Republican Party, she'd have to start over from the bottom and she would be nobody again. Joe Manchin probably doesn't want to run for president. I don't see that happening. He's from a tiny state, and as beautiful as the state is, he doesn't exactly wield a lot of power. The only reason he has any power now is because we have a 50-50 Senate. I hear a lot of people saying, we got to kick him out, we got to kick him out. Well, the voters will kick them out if they so decide. Joe Manchin won't be kicked out. Kristen Sinema probably will. But it's really on us to fix that situation with the likes of Sinema and Manchin. They have the power in the Senate because of the way the voters voted. It's a 50-50 split. All you need is one or two people to go rogue a little bit and say, I'm not voting for that. And all of a sudden, they're the most powerful people in the country. They love that shit. It's all about fucking ego. Now, there's only one way to address the problem in the Senate with Manchin and Cinema. There really is only one way, and that's to get a larger majority in the Senate. The Democrats need more Democrats in the Senate. The more Democrats they have, the less um, relevant Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema is. We've got to take the power away from them by voting more Democrats in. And that's coming up in 2022, and we can do that. A lot of people think it's going to be the Republicans all the way. Don't bet on it. They got so many problems right now. Sure, they'll say, oh, we're going to win in 2022. Even some Democrats will say, Republicans are going to win in 2022. Well, let me tell you something. Those same people that are saying that about 2022 said the same thing to me about Donald Trump in 2020. Oh, no, Donald Trump's going to win. He's going to win. I said, no, he's not going to win. There's no way he can win. And they said, oh, no, he's going to win. It's just fatalistic attitude. You told me Donald Trump was going to win. He didn't. You're telling me Republicans are going to win in 2022. I say they're not. And I've discussed many of the reasons why that is. So, Ty, with all due respect, I appreciate your opinion. I understand where you're coming from. But I don't think we have to worry about cinema or mansion turning Republican. I don't think the Republicans want them. They want their own crazy far-right candidates. They don't need cinema or Manchin. Manchin is safe. He'll be around for a while. We just have to make him less less important. Cinema will be gone in 2024. There's no way she can hold on to her seat. Um, and so don't worry about that shit. Just don't worry about that. Now we've got a couple of uh, emails This one comes to us from Tyler. Good evening, Mike. I wanted to connect some points that you've been making lately. 
you are absolutely right. I like this guy that uh, black women were consequential in Trump losing the presidential election. Now we have Fannie Willis and the New York AG Tish James, among others, kicking his ass at the state level. Isn't it amusing that after decades of racism and misogyny, that it's black women who will ruin Donald Trump's life? Picture perfect in my mind. Enjoy your content as always, Tyler. (laughs) You make an excellent point. I said that in one of my TikToks. I think I said it here on the podcast. The main reason Donald Trump is not in office and Joe Biden is, is because of the black women in this country. They took control. They came out in force and voted and made sure that Donald Trump would not win. Black women in this country are owed a debt of gratitude from all of us, especially us old white men. And uh, it is ironic that Fonnie Willis, a black woman, and uh, Letitia James, a black woman, are uh, kicking Donald Trump's ass. I mean, he's scared of women in the first place, but you make them women of color, oh, he's shitting his pants. Because he knows he's a racist, and he knows these people will add a little edge to this fucking thing. They're going to stick in the knife, but they're going to twist that motherfucker because they hate his guts. As much as everybody else hates his guts. So, Tyler, you make a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's ironic. And I know Letitia James, and I know Fonnie Willis, and actually the the new prosecutor— in the Manhattan district who took over uh, the job just recently is a black man. So his racist fears are going to come to the surface now because he's got a lot of people going after his shit and he's going to have a problem because there's no way he's not getting indicted in Georgia. There's no way he's not going to lose the lawsuit with Letitia James. And those same things he's going to lose to, there's going to be criminal charges from the Manhattan District. It is ironic, Tyler. Thank you for the question and comments and the kind words. Now, the next one comes from a gentleman by the name of Gordy. I think he's written before. Good morning, Boomer. (laughs) I was wondering if you have an opinion as to what we can expect when J6 committee, January 6th committee, begins to televise the hearings with scores of people either not showing up to testify or they are taking the fifth. How are they supposed to get to the bottom of the shit? Nobody talks for fear of pissing off diaper Donnie. I know they have plenty of other testimony, but will that be enough? Thanks again for addressing my questions. I've written before, so I don't feel like you have to answer on air. Thanks for your time. I love your show and TikToks, especially the Alex Jones yesterday. It was a beauty. (laughs) Yeah, I got kind of out of control on that one. Good wishes, Gordy. Okay, I I I know what you're saying. You got all these people that won't testify, and you got these people pleading the fifth. Now, people think this pleading the fifth is a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not. It doesn't do anything when there's an indictment out there. Then they don't have to testify. Then they've got plenty of evidence. And I'll be honest with you, the J6 committee has a lot of very intelligent people, lawyers. And they're setting this up very nicely. They've interviewed over 400 people. They've got 
the uh, 700 documents from the National Archives. They got all the documents from the uh, um, from Mark Meadows. They've got everything. They've got text messages. They've got emails. They've got all kinds of shit. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think they have all the evidence they need at this point. They just want these people to talk, give them a chance to perjure themselves, or at least clear some things up. But there's enough evidence already in front of them where they can shut these people down, whether it be the people in Congress or the people in the White House or who used to be in the White House. So I'm not worried about them not having enough evidence. I think they have more than enough evidence. And whenever you see people on the J6 committee talking, you see this little smirk on their face and you see a little bit of confidence in their eyes. They know they've got these motherfuckers and they've got them seriously. The big moment will be when they have these televised hearings. Now, they don't need... Mark Meadows or Donald Trump to testify in these hearings. It'd be nice if they would, and maybe they will be forced to, but I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. These televised hearings are going to break the back of the Republican Party. You know, when we had Watergate, the televised hearings said it all. That broke the back of the Republicans and and, uh, Richard Nixon back then. And this is like a hundred times worse than anything Richard Nixon did. Now, the last thing I heard that these televised hearings will take place toward the end of February, early March. I don't know if that's true, but I heard one of the people on the J6 committee say that. I was hoping it would be sooner, but that'll be fine. But I'm telling you, once we get on TV and we start seeing these hearings, what these January 6th committee members are doing is they're compiling a little show. They're going to expose everything. And whether Donald Trump or Mark Meadows or Steve Bannon speaks, it really doesn't matter. The facts and the evidence are already there. They have them in their own hand. Like, for example, Alex Jones. Alex Jones said he pled the fifth a hundred times. He wasn't going to give up any information. But he was surprised to find out that they had all his text messages and emails. So they don't need him to testify. They got all the information. It's all tied to him because he wrote the shit. And it came from his account. So whether he talks or not doesn't make a difference. The key to this whole thing, and the thing that's going to bring down the Republican Party, Donald Trump, and the members of Congress that were involved in the insurrection, are these televised hearings. It'll be the one chance when everybody gets to see the facts. You know, you can sit and watch Fox and get none of the facts, and that's all you know because that's all you watch. But I'll tell you this, these hearings are going to attract a big crowd, and even those Fox fucks, or even the... um, people in the middle that don't know which way to go. They're going to be watching these things. And they're setting up this presentation. And this presentation isn't going to be one day. It's going to be day after day after day. It's going to go on for weeks. So it's going to do some damage. And it's going to do damage every day. 
This is going to be the thing that brings down the Republicans. I know the J6 committee knows that, and they've got all these people on the committee putting together this presentation in the best, most explosive, and most damaging way. They might start out with the light stuff at first and work their way up all the way to the White House, but they will work their way up to the White House and the sitting members of Congress. So the the fact of the matter is, I don't think you have to worry about these people who aren't testifying or pleading the fifth. They're the ones that need to worry. The evidence is already there, and all it needs to do is be exposed. And then when it's exposed, you'll see uh, referrals over to the DOG for, for crimes that should be indicted. Don't worry about the people not testifying. Don't worry about the people pleading the fifth. They don't fucking matter. They're just trying to tie the loose ends up, but they don't need to because they have all they need right now. You can see the confidence in their eyes. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back. All right, so the big news yesterday was that uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer has announced that he's going to retire from the Supreme Court. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the Democrats have been trying to push him to retire. He's an older gentleman. I don't know exactly how old, late 70s, early 80s, something like that. He's very sharp. He could stay on the bench. But here's what people are worried about on the Democratic side. They're worried about the same thing that happened with RGB. Now, she was a great Supreme Court justice, and she was elderly, and she was sick. But they thought she might be able to ride it out to uh, the election when Joe Biden was elected, and then he could replace her. Well, unfortunately, she died before the election and before Joe Biden was president. And, of course, Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump rammed through that dipshit woman that they put on the Supreme Court. Coney Berry, I think her name is. And and so that didn't work out so well. And that gave the Republicans a definite advantage, even bigger advantage, in the uh, Supreme Court. So now they're looking at Stephen Breyer, and they're thinking, well, he's elderly. I mean, Jesus Christ, he could keel over at any moment. He's old enough to do that, even though he appears healthy. So they pushed him to try to retire so they could get it within Joe Biden's administration so they could replace him with another liberal Democrat, because Stephen Breyer is a liberal Democrat. So... Now he's going to retire. Joe Biden will nominate somebody, and they'll put somebody in the Supreme Court, and they will be a liberal Democrat. Now, this doesn't change the ideology of the court. It doesn't change anything. It's still going to be six to three, the conservatives, but it's going to save that one seat for liberals for a long time to come. Presumably, they'll... uh, They'll uh, appoint somebody who's younger, like say in their 50s or 40s or whatever it is. But then they can sit there for 30, 40 years and occupy the liberal Democratic seat. And so that one is safe. It doesn't give them any more advantage, but uh, at least it keeps that one spot safe. So nothing's going to change with the Supreme Court. It's just now they don't have to worry about some elderly Supreme Court justice get sick or die or something like that and then have the Republicans in power and stuff another Republican conservative justice in. So it's a safety measure. And it's a big deal for a president to appoint a Supreme Court justice. We know Donald Trump did it. You know, they fucking 
rammed them through, even though they told Obama, no, you can't do it. It's nine months before the election. We've got to get somebody, whoever the president is, to appoint him. But then when the same thing happened with uh, uh, Coney Berry, they shoved her through and went against the rule that they made for Obama. That's fucking Mitch McConnell for you. Now, the thing about it is, is prior to the election, Joe Biden promised that he would appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. And frankly, it's about fucking time. It's about fucking time. There are a number of candidates that are really good. I've seen them talk about these candidates, and any one of them would probably be great Supreme Court justices. And you can expect that Joe Biden will follow up with his promise, mainly because it's going to help him in the election. We were talking about uh, how black women were a big factor in the 2020 election. Well, Joe Biden owes black women. And he should try to keep black women on his side because they're very powerful and they're a deciding factor in elections. By not following up on his promise, he would be fucked. He knows that. But I also think that Joe Biden wants to do it for the good reasons as well as his own election. Now, what's interesting, a lot of people are suggesting, oh, they should... They, they should do things, they should appoint somebody that will piss off the Republicans. Like some people are saying, you should put Barack Obama in there. You think Barack Obama wants to be on the Supreme Court? He was fucking president. He's got more money than he needs. All he does have to do is give talks and he'll make all kinds of money. He's got a pension. He's got his own money. He doesn't want to be a Supreme Court justice. And then other people said, what about Hillary? No, not fucking Hillary. First of all, she's an old white establishment woman. That's not what he promised. And frankly, Hillary Clinton is uh, divisive. A lot of people don't like her. That wouldn't be a good choice. Now, if you really wanted to just do it to cause problems with the Supreme Court, I've said this before. And appoint a black woman as a Supreme Court justice, who you really want to fucking appoint, is Anita Hill. <laughs> oh, you could see you could see Clarence Thomas shit in his pants. You could see all the Republicans shitting their pants. Now, Anita Hill, I don't know how old she is now, but I know she's a lawyer. I know she's a law professor and would be a reasonable candidate. But she's not in the conversation at this point. Um, there are some others that are on district courts and federal courts and appellate courts and things like that that are great candidates. And I'd list them here, but we really don't know who he's going to choose. Uh, they're hoping to push it through fairly quickly. They want to uh, do what Mitch McConnell did with uh, Amy Coney Berry. They just rammed her through in 27 days, which was unprecedented. Now, I don't think it does them any good to ram her through quickly. And people keep saying, well, the Republicans will do something to mess it up. And I, I don't know what that really would be. I mean, to appoint a Supreme Court justice, you don't need a supermajority. You don't need 60 votes. We have a 50-50 split. And, of course, Kamala Harris will break the tie, presuming that the Republicans won't vote for her because they don't vote for shit uh, with 50 senators voting, Democratic senators, and Kamala Harris, 
they will get this person appointed. Now, of course, there are a lot of people saying, well, Mitch McConnell will do this or Manchin and Cinema will do that. Here's the deal. If Manchin and Cinema vote the way they should vote, Mitch McConnell can't do shit. He may try to do some things, but you only need 51 votes to sit or seat a Supreme Court justice. And with Manchin and Cinema, you would have that. Now, people will say, yeah, Manchin and Cinema won't vote for her because they're Republican. They're not Republican. They're Democrat. And they have no advantage in siding with the Republicans in this situation. This isn't about policy. This isn't about money. This isn't about welfare or tax cuts. This is about putting a Supreme Court justice in the seat on the Supreme Court. Now, there's no reason in the world that Manchin and Cinema need to help the Republicans get a bigger majority in the Supreme Court. It's 6-3. It's 6-3. They have as much majority as they possibly need. And if Manchin and Cinema vote against this woman for whatever reason, because they want to appeal to the Republicans, they're going to get a lot of fucking heat. I mean, these guys are getting heat already. Uh, Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema can't go anywhere without getting harassed, yelled at, um, heckled. I mean, the Cinema's uh, own state hates her. Everybody hates her there. She's got plenty of troubles. She, like I say, she's just been censored. But I don't expect Cinema and Manchin to vote against any Democratic Supreme Court justice nomination. I, I just don't see it. There's, no, there's nothing to gain from it. You could do it just to be a pain in the ass, but by doing that, it's just going to cause these people more problems. And here's the thing. If Joe Biden nominates a black woman as a Supreme Court justice and Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin vote against her and don't get her seated, once again, you're pissing off a large percentage of this country. And, and they, they have nothing to gain by doing that. They have absolutely nothing to gain. So I don't, I don't see Manchin and Cinema causing any problems. Uh, in fact, they may use this to try to get a little bit of redemption. They won't get any redemption because they're still going to be working on the Build Back Better deal and the Voting Rights Bill after they get this situation set up. So I don't see Mansion and Cinema as a problem. You know, they're gonna they're always going to be a pain in the ass, but uh, they're going to vote the way they should vote because the idea of getting somebody more Republican in that seat is ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. They'd have to wait until 2024 and not appoint somebody. Now, Mitch McConnell left a seat open for nine months so Obama couldn't appoint Merrick Garland, but they can't leave it open for two and a half years. It's just not going to happen. And, and frankly, the Republicans don't have the power to do it unless Manchin and Cinema do it. And if they do something like this, it's going to seem so divisive and so racist that they can't win in that situation. I just don't see Cinema and Manchin going against any of the nominations for the Supreme Court. A couple of other things. Remember I told you that story, how Neil Young got a little annoyed 
by Joe Rogan and his anti-vaccine bullshit? Well, Joe Rogan, of course, is on Spotify. Got a big money deal on Spotify. And Neil Young said, fuck that. I don't want to be on Spotify if Joe Rogan's on Spotify. He's a danger to this country. He's killing people by giving wrong information about vaccination and masks and COVID and such. So Neil Young said, look, if you're going to keep Joe Rogan on here, take all my music off of Spotify. Take it off. You can have either Joe Rogan or Neil Young, but you can't have both. And I tip my hat to Neil Young. Let's be honest. Neil Young has made a lot of money. He doesn't care if it's on Spotify. Frankly, what I hear about these apps, I know people in the music business, they get paid so little on these apps, it's not almost, it's almost not even worth it. A lot of these people have told me this. And Joe Rogan, you know, he got guaranteed $100 million or whatever the fuck he got. So it goes to Spotify, and Spotify has to make a decision, Rogan or Neil Young. Now, Neil Young is is a national treasure. His music's been around since the 60s. People love him. No doubt Spotify has made a lot of money off of Neil Young. But you know what they do? They say, okay, well, we'll take the Neil Young songs off. Really? Is that what you're going to do, Spotify? You're choosing Joe Rogan, this fucking anti-vax dipshit, over a national treasure. That's really what you're going to do? It says a lot about Spotify. Now, I'm sure I probably should be careful about this because I'm on Anchor.fm, which is owned by Spotify. But I'm just a little fish in a big pond. Nobody knows what I'm doing or cares what I'm doing. And frankly, if you have a problem with me speaking my mind, I can put my podcast anywhere. It doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, I just happen to like the easiness of Anchor.fm. I think it's a good platform, and I think it's good for people who want to start podcasts who maybe don't know a lot about all the technical aspects of it. It makes it easy. So I don't think they're going to give me any shit. But if they do, I'll let you know. But they choose Joe Rogan over Neil Young. And that, I personally think, is a fucking travesty. You don't pick Joe Rogan over Neil Young. There's no comparison between the two. Here's another bit of information I've heard. You know, everybody's concerned about Matt Gates. When are they going to arrest Matt Gates? Get him in fucking jail. I understand that. And it's taken a long time. Now, we know that Joel Greenberg was his buddy, and he's been convicted, and he's going to be sentenced sometime in March, I think. But he's been able to delay the sentencing by saying, look, I'll give you a bunch of information about Matt Gates and the other people down in Florida that were tied to this sex trafficking ring. So, of course, uh, the prosecutor said, okay, yeah, we'll take all the information you can give us. So they give him the time before he's sentenced, so he gets to be out on bail and do all that shit. And that's coming, and that's coming to an end in March. But now we're hearing about another buddy of Joel Greenberg and Matt Gates. His name is Joseph Ellicott. 
Now, Joseph Ellicott had two charges kind of tied in with that whole sex trafficking ring. It was money laundering. It was uh, wire fraud and some other things. But this Joseph Ellicott said, oh, yeah, I've seen Matt Gates doing these crimes. I'm an eyewitness to those crimes. And you know what? These two crimes could get me 40 years in jail. So sure, I'll testify. I'll cooperate. I'll testify against other people involved in this situation. And other people, of course, are Matt Gates and maybe maybe some other Florida politicians. But let's talk about Matt Gates. So Matt Gates has got his two best buddies going to jail for a long time, and they want to cut their sentences. So they'll give up Matt Gates in a fucking instant. And uh, that's what he's going to do. They're going to question him. He will testify against Matt Gates once he's on trial. And don't don't make the mistake and think he's not going on trial. Matt Gates will be indicted at some time soon, and he will go on trial, and he will be convicted. There's just way too much against him. The fact that he still thinks he's going to win this is it's <laughs> it's actually kind of nice. I love it. You know, it's one thing for somebody to get indicted and go to jail and stuff like that and have them worry about it and agonize over it as it's coming to happen. But when you got a guy like Matt Gates that's so stupid and so oblivious, I love the aspect of him getting fucking blindsided, then indicted, then prosecuted, and then go to jail. He'll be in jail sitting with Bubba before he knows what the fuck hit him. And if anybody deserves it, it is certainly Matt Gates. So be watching that closely. It's going to be interesting when they interview this Joseph Elcott, uh, especially since he's admitting that he's witnessed Matt Gates commit these crimes with these underage girls. Oh, Matt is fucked. Don't get too don't get too anxious. Don't think nothing's going to happen because something big is going to happen with Matt Gates and maybe some other politicians in Florida. We've heard about that. We don't know who, but we could have some ideas. Maybe Ron DeSantis, maybe Marco Rubio. Who knows? It would be great to tie up all these fucks in this sex trafficking case, take them out of commission, and put those fuckers in jail and turn the Republican Party upside fucking down. Now, since we're talking about stupid sons of bitches, let's talk about Oath Keeper leader Elmer Stewart Rhodes. Now, you know the name. He's the leader of the Oath Keepers. He was at the insurrection. He was arrested, and he's been charged with seditious conspiracy. Now, that's a big deal. Sedition. That's a 20-year jail term. And it's the first sedition charges we've seen with the insurrectionist. But that doesn't mean it's done. It means we're at that level now, and then everything after this is going to be at that level. And there's people above him, like Rudy Giuliani, like Steve Bannon, like Donald Jr., Eric, Ivanka, Donald Trump Sr. All these people could be in line to get sedition charges as well. It's going to be interesting. But the thing with this Oath Keeper, which is kind of funny, this is a funny story to me. Now remember, this Oath Keeper leader, Elmer Stewart Rhodes, who goes by Stewart Rhodes because apparently he doesn't like the Elmer part of his name, 
does make him kind of sound like a cartoon character. And when you think that he was giving gun safety classes and he drops the gun and shoots his own eye out, that's <laughs> that's kind of funny, actually, and it's kind of ironic. But that's who he is. So anyway, he's in jail right now. They haven't let him out of jail. They don't want to let him out of jail. But he's asking for bail. Now, I don't know if he would ever get bail because he does have the uh, reputation of being dangerous. So he's asking for bail, and then things took a turn for the worst. See, his ex-wife stood up and said, oh, no, this fucker's crazy. He's mean, he's vicious, he's violent. You can't let him go. Oh, and by the way, he has built an elaborate escape tunnels in our backyard. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to give this guy bail and tell us he's not a flight risk, but he's got tunnels dug out in his backyard where he can escape. Here's the thing, Elmer, you're not getting fucking out. Your ex-wife is now your nemesis. Yeah, she's your wascally wabbit, (laughs) and she's kicking your ass. Look, Elmer, here's the deal. You're in jail now. You're not getting out again. You're going to get charged or you're going to get prosecuted and you're going to get convicted. And chances are you're going to spend a minimum of maybe 20 years in jail. So get used to it, motherfucker. You're a piece of shit. You uh, worked against this country and the people in this country. And whatever, whatever punishment you get, it's the least amount that you deserve. And uh, don't think you're getting bail because no judge is stupid enough to give you bail. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about is the Russia-Ukraine problem. You know, Russia is building up its troops on the Ukraine border. Uh, There's some 100,000 troops, Russian troops there. That's a red flag, don't you think? You see, now, Vladimir Putin is saying, look, we're just trying to protect ourselves. You have NATO NATO soldiers on the Ukraine side. We're worried they're going to get aggressive with us. Oh, yeah, right. Ukraine and NATO is going to attack fucking Russia. You know that's bullshit. That's just typical Donald Trump gaslighting, gaslighting bullshit. you got got 100,000 people there. You're going to be the bully, and you're going to try to push the... Um, Push the mark a little bit. Try to see how far you can get. Well, now, of course, Joe Biden is talking about sanctions and stuff, and I've said this before. You know, the sanctions they can impose can be pretty catastrophic for the Russians. Their economy sucks. They can shut down a pipeline. They can take them out of the SWIFT payment system, which is... uh, centralized payment system throughout the world with governments. They can't do that. Then they're fucked. So they can do a lot of things to shut them down. But one of the things that Joe Biden's talking about, he says he would sanction uh, Vladimir Putin directly. Now you wonder, how the fuck could he do that? How could he sanction Vladimir Putin? What you have to understand about Vladimir Putin, he's very wealthy, He's very wealthy, but this money is not in his name. What he's done is put him in trusts with oligarchs. Now, the interesting thing about oligarchs, they have a lot of their money over here in America or in the West. 
Now, if Joe Biden sanctions Vladimir Putin and these oligarchs, which is exactly what he's talking about, they can freeze that money. They can freeze all the oligarchs' money that's in America, and they can freeze all that money that may be a large chunk for Vladimir Putin. Now, if he does that, that's going to be one pissed off Rushki. And he knows he can do it, but he, he doesn't think Joe Biden or Americans would actually do that. And that's why I've said before, they need to they need to give some sanctions out just to give him a taste, to not let him know that uh, he shouldn't be fucking around. But somebody else made another point, and then I find this kind of interesting. I don't know that they would have enough power to do anything. But you've got the 100,000 soldiers for Russia. You've got NATO. And now you've got 8,500 Americans on alert in case something should happen. Dwight D. Eisenhower, when he left office, warned us about the military-industrial complex. They make a lot of money off of this country, and they control a lot of people, meaning people in Congress and the Senate. And they've got a problem. We had a 20-year war in Afghanistan. $300 million a day was spent, and a large percentage of that went to the military-industrial complex. Well, that's wars over, and that money is now no longer going to the military-industrial complex. So they're thinking, how do, how do we recoup this fucking money? And somebody suggested that they might do something or push for something to start another war because they want more money. They want to sell more shit, and they can't sell more shit if there's no war. So they've got pressures on Congress, on the Senate, who knows, maybe even the White House. I don't know that for sure. I hope that's not the truth. But, you know, over the years, we've seen how much the military-industrial complex has controlled things and how much money they've made off of this country for virtually nothing. I mean, Jesus Christ, would they, would they, uh, would they give the Defense Department this year like $800 billion? Where do you think most of that is going to? Buying weapons, the military-industrial complex. So they're already making a ton of money off the uh, Defense Department, but they got no war, and they need a war to make money. So somebody supposed that they might be able to put some pressure on to actually create some kind of uh, kerfuffle or a little war there so they could sell more goods. I don't see how they can do that. I don't see that happening, but I get the point. I get the point. That group of people have controlled a lot in this country. And I hope against hope they aren't able to pressure anybody into starting a fight in Ukraine. That's not where we want to be. Joe Biden has said as much. We're not going to have troops on the ground and fighting in the Ukraine. That makes us fighting against Russia, and that is not good for anybody, including Russia. They don't want that shit either. So Russia will probably back off at the last second and uh, just act like they're the tough guys and that they won and gaslight and talk shit and distract and and uh, divert and whatever, just like Donald Trump does. Only thing is that Vladimir Putin's a lot smarter than Donald Trump, so he'll probably get away with it. I don't think there's going to be any fighting there. I don't think they're going to invade. I think the Russians want you to believe that they're going to invade because they feel like it gives them power. And once they have a little power, they can get something out of it. They can gain some ground on some little thing by just showing this 
this uh, force of strength, I don't think they're going to go in. There is absolutely no good reason for them to go in knowing what America and European countries could do to that country and its economy. It would be devastating for them. And that's why I'm saying, why not do it fucking anyway before they go in, shut these fuckers down and put them back where they belong. Not in the middle of this kind of shit and not having power. Sometimes you've got to slap these people down before they do something to avoid a lot of trouble, a lot of heartache, a lot of killing. We should be doing that. I've said this before, I know, and I'm going to say it again. Joe Biden needs to do something to Vladimir Putin if he ever hopes to have any control and stop Putin from doing the bullshit he does. All right, we're going to wrap it up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you all for spending the time with me. I truly do appreciate it. I'm, I'm very heartened to see that every time we put out a show, there's more and more people listening, and uh, that's a good thing. And as I've said before, the reason I want more and more people listening has nothing to do with fame or money or any of those things. I don't care about that stuff. Uh, I'm perfectly com- comfortable financially, and fame is a waste of fucking time. But what I hope to do is by getting more and, me and more people coming together is to be some kind of force, to have some kind of impact in this country. There's a lot of rational boomers around this country, but they're scattered everywhere and they have no power because they don't come together. And I'm hoping with the podcast and the TikToks, we can bring we sane boomers together or Gen Xers for that matter, bring them together and give us some kind of clout. I don't know what it will be, but when we get to a certain level and people can't help but hear our voices, then we can maybe have some control over the future of this country. All right, we're wrapping it up. I hope you'll have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.